1: Welcome to That Christian Geeky Couple. From Boise, Idaho, this is Adam. And Andrea Graham. Now we're going to move to talking about a movie. And it was something that I got Andrea for her anniversary. And uh, you want to tell us about the movie? Yes, it's
0: about this guy. He becomes Condor Man. And he... You know, falls in love with this Russian spy.
1: Okay. <laughs> I kept teasing her that we were going to watch Condor Man, um, but we watched something else. Could you tell us what that was and the title?
0: Oh, you mean the movie we actually watched? Yes. <laughs> Oh, that was a mar- Martian with a guy that kept having completely unnecessary in- nude shots.
1: Yeah, that would, of course, be Matt Damon in The Martian, uh, who plays an astronaut um, who uh, there's an emergency evacuation of the Mars base, and uh, he uh, accidentally is left behind, assumed dead. But he, through a freak accident, he is actually alive on Mars, and he's got to figure out how to survive. Um, and um, since it was your, um, uh, since it was a movie you've been dying to see, uh, Andrea, what did you think of it overall? Well,
0: aside from the new. Uh gratuitous nudity and some of the language it was actually a really good movie
1: well i actually found that the the film to be pretty good because what i liked is that they did try to do it um they did it with a lot of accuracy as to sort of challenges uh that, that they would face both nasa and trying to find a way to either bring him home, or to help him, uh, be able to, uh, continue to survive, um, on the planet while waiting for a replacement mission, um, and, yeah, I, f- I found it, you know, it...
0: originally I'd wanted to see it as entertaining research for a novel I was working on it last year, well, now I'm done writing the series, but it was still fun to watch. So I may have to deal more with the pressure issue.
1: So it's going to force you to rethink some of the things in your uh, book about life on Mars?
0: I may just, like, I I may need to deal with the air pressure. There's one particular scene where I may need to deal with the, where I may need to make some adjustments. Because,
1: yeah. Well, I I thought in some... Because, essentially, you have a couple... You know, you manage to have two different uh, plots, you know, going. The, with him on Mars, it's kind of like a Robinson Crusoe thing. Um, and I think he actually did, you know, a better job than, uh, say, Tom Hanks uh, in Castaway. Um uh, in in playing this, and uh, also, uh, I, I also I also thought the Earth stuff was interesting because there was so much um, politics and all this uh, stuff that was uh, preventing or ham you know or hampering. Plus, the pure scientific challenges, uh, and I, it does illustrate some of the great you know, challenges, because a lot of people talk about going to Mars and Martian colonies and those sort of things, Um, but it's a challenging proposition, um, I think, when you watch the movie and you see how far they are from Earth and how many calculations you have to work out and how much planning is required before you can even get anything uh, to them to that great distance. Yeah, I
0: definitely wouldn't um, envy the people that go up there first. It'd be pretty rough.
1: Yeah, hopefully you wouldn't have to have potatoes the way that um, he grew potatoes. Um, Because, yeah, that would be a very um, yuck way to survive. But if it's what you've got to do, get on a survival situation.
0: You need to um, realize that part of his issue is lack of preparation. That they were not prepared for l- the long-term colonization that he found himself needing to make.
1: Well, that's true. I mean, he had to MacGyver everything he he did there, um, and I think it was fascinating and you know i i love how they they did so much realism with the earth stuff where you just have you know an hour and a half into the movie you have some random guy show up from some random department offering some solution you know he's just been in some basement somewhere that we haven't even seen him Um, but that's actually real life, you know, they tell you in novels and things that you don't, you know, just introduce characters out of thin air, but when you're dealing with an actual problem, that sometimes happens, uh, and so I, 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 I I thoroughly enjoyed that part of it. I, I think the Earth-based stuff and the Mars-based stuff, both of it felt very realistic, you know, and, um... I think also illustrated some of the courage that's uh, needed. It's, you know, we're kind of at a point where a lot of our space program and even space achievements have been kind of put on hold for the last few years. And so a film like The Martian, you know, I think does continue to point to the potential. You know, there's a lot of risk, and I think the movie doesn't deny that, but there's also opportunities, you know, to, uh, to show courage and to actually achieve things.
0: Yeah, like one of the things that struck me was the spaceship that they were
1: like a couple decades i mean it you know for one thing that di- there was still disco music that was being allowed to exist so uh, you know that it's not all that far to the future
0: yeah i mean i wonder how my nephews my were five six Seven or like 5, 8, and 9 I wonder if they even know what disco is you and I bar- would barely remember disco
1: <laughs> well then for Christmas we need to get them Flash Beagle and then they will know what disco is and then they will never ever want it again
0: <laughs> why would we do something so cruel to my nephews don't we love them
1: sure we do but you've got to know it's like the boy named Sue the boy who watched Flash Beagle
0: we can just let them watch the Martian it's only male nudity in the movie and I'm sure they've heard that type of language before I mean they've been around my dad
1: I would still think Flash Beagle would be more age appropriate at any rate um, the this was I think a really uh, superb movie uh, with a lot of realism very well grounded and uh, I can see why it was such success at the box office one of the really good modern films as Andrea mentioned a few content issues uh, but just be advised of that so it doesn't uh, throw you Um, I will give it a rating of 8 potatoes out of 10
0: you stole my rating
1: Okay, eight and a half and eight, now we turn to something completely different, the librarian and the apple of discord. And in this episode, Flynn returns just as a representative of dragons showing up at the library annex to negotiate. And then there's a uh, conclave, and they have to recover a pearl. And instead, they get the apple, which uh, brings out the worst part of every member of the library uh, uh, staff. Don't...
0: Spoilers!
1: Spoilers!
0: Spoilers ahead! Spoilers! Okay. The Apple core turns everybody evil Except the thief He's immune Because he's already The worst version of himself Which means he can, there's He can only go up from here
1: It's kind of hard to believe that that's the worst possible thing you can be as a comedy uh, anti-hero. And we learn that uh, Cassandra's dark side involved her trying to destroy all of Europe. Paul Stone uh, essentially became an obnoxious uh, art critic who argued with everybody and was insistent on he was right and violently so, which makes him... Um, something really bad, an art blogger. And uh, we learned that Flynn would be kind of full of himself, and uh, Eve would be expecting everyone to obey her and to follow her every command. So no difference with either of those two, only slightly magnified.
0: Yeah, I literally just brought out the worst of them that we'd already been seeing quite well without the apples' hope. Uh apparently with um the thief, they they're going for the rogue of the heart of gold type of thing.
1: Yeah, well, except for that whole Santa hat thing, you didn't wasn't necessarily into that. Um the conclave was just kind of for comedy. I did like the line.
0: Oh, that, that, that hat did kind of take things to extremes. I mean, you would have to be a Christian and extremely sanctified to, you know, just easily voluntarily say, be happy and content with, about letting go, letting your flight, the pilot on a flight you need to take go spend the holidays with his family instead.
1: Yeah, I suppose. The Conclave, I think, worked most for comedy. I did like the fact, because Ezekiel had actually ordered a pizza, and it had never seemed to get there, and he he saw the bad guy eating his his pizza, and he goes, you are evil! I thought that was kind of hilarious, but mostly the whole thing was played for comedy. Um, The film episode really did continue to uh, hint at uh, Jensen and uh, his past, which kind of gets more intriguing as it goes on when uh, he talks about the fact that he feels like, Taking a stand uh, and choosing a side and uh, never actually does anything, and he was actually ready to quit in face of the conclave. With Ezekiel uh, deciding to stay to try to uh, do whatever he could do, which, given the fact that he was a really bad arbiter, um, wasn't a whole lot. But I think the Jensen stuff is probably the highlight of the episode.
0: Yes. That was mildly interesting. I kind of like the thief stuff better. Because, you know, how things went in that episode, all, you know, almost justified the apple not having that effect on him. They were they're really going for the lovable rogue who's, you know what I mean, but if this is as bad as he gets, you know what I mean,
1: Yeah, I would agree. Um, Overall, it was an interesting... It had some comedy moments. It was kind of a little bit wasted episode for Flynn's only return before the finale. But it it was fun. It was okay. I will give it uh, six librarians out of ten. Only six. Seven. All right. Thanks so much. And moving on. And there are a couple of non-Doctor Who audio dramas to discuss. First up is Superman, Doomsday and Beyond. It is a BBC radio adaptation of Superman. Uh, in particular, the Death of Superman story arc uh, from the comics. And it covers the uh, death of Superman and its aftermath. And... Uh, th- A lot more than that. In fact, the way it decides to cover it is going to be either a feature or a bug depending on your approach or your view of it. Essentially, they try and adapt the comic uh, books uh, kind of like how uh, the BBC might adapt a great novel by being extremely faithful to the source material. And that's the rub. Comics have become incredibly complex, multi-layered. So we don't actually get to the death of Superman until about an hour into the first CD. The reason for that is we have to cover all the backstory uh, that would not be uh, familiar to someone who hadn't read or wasn't familiar with the status quo in Superman comic books at the time. There was actually a very different Supergirl who was called Matrix and uh, wasn't actually Kryptonian at all and wasn't particularly well liked and was shortly uh, written out and replaced with another Supergirl. In addition, Lex Luthor had died and had a new body built for himself and left the uh, entirety of his fortune to his son, who was him. And there was the the whole uh, engagement between Lois Lane and Clark Kent with Clark uh, choosing to reveal his secret identity. After he's asked Lois to uh, marry him. At least he didn't wait until after the wedding day. But all this, it's a lot of background. And either you're going to love that because it gets you fully immersed into the world. Or you're going to hate that it so slogs down the story. I'm kind of in between. Because on one hand, I can kind of... uh, Uh, I know a little bit about Superman comics of the era, not a great deal, so it's a great uh, bit of uh, background, but I also found myself saying, you know, this is a lot uh, to get through. Essentially, a third of the story is backstory. The other thing is that while most of the accents are okay, for my liking, there are too many, um, guys and go- uh, and, uh, doll style New York accents. And it, in some places that are inappropriate, where it's like, wait, that's not the voice of a, l-. it's like if you had every character in a British story, uh, sounding, uh, using Cockney, uh, rhyme and slang. It wouldn't make a whole lot of sense from that perspective. Still, it like I said, it's incredibly faithful to the story. It does bring home uh the strength and heroism of Superman. There are some well very well written moments for Lois Lane. And the plot is complex, but I would also say I would much prefer this to old Batman a uh, Superman movie. Plus I like that they did co- play tribute to the original radio series with the uh, look up in the sky beginning. So it's not bad if you don't mind a bit of backstory. It's a bit hard to obtain, but if you can uh, get your hands on it, Superman Doomsday and Beyond is uh, a compelling if involved audio drama. I'll give it seven capes out of ten. And moving on, we have the Colonial Radio Theater presentation of Dandelion Wine. It's written by Ray Bradbury, uh, one of the great science fiction authors of the 20th centuries. And this, was, uh, this uh, adaptation was one that uh, Bradbury himself wrote for uh, Colonial Radio Theater to do. It was a fresh adaptation. And it did expand a little bit on the speculative element. Essentially, it centers around a boy in an idyllic small town in the 1920s going through a summer that at first appears to be a perfect summer, but turns out to uh, mark the end of so many uh, th- uh, but treasured moments in his life. The character is in many ways autobiographical, and I like the twist here where one of the characters and i should say this is a spoiler. I'll just okay, i won't spoil it. There's a big twist at the end that really does make this um an emotionally powerful uh, story and uh, jerry robbins does a good job in it. Uh he's in most of uh, colonial's productions and uh his performance there uh, particularly in that final scene is just absolutely uh, stunning. It's a very lyrical piece. It's uh, very poetic and uh, th- thoughtfulness, humor, and a lot of nostalgia. It's wonderfully produced by Colonial. And I will give it a hearty 9 cask out of 10 for Dandelion Wine, the uh, audio drama by uh, Colonial Radio Theater. Well, that's all for now. Thanks so much for listening. From Boise, Idaho, this is Adam.
0: And Andrew Graham.
1: Signing off. 18 plus.